Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the September 26th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. I'm Rafael Mandelman. I serve as chair of this board. Our vice chair is Myrna Melgar. I want to thank Jason Goldhammer from SFGovTV. Um, our clerk today is Elijah Saunders. Um, Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, Chair. Commissioner Chen? Chen absent. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey absent. Commissioner Engardio? Engardio, Engardio present. Chair Mandelman? Present. Mandelman present. Vice Chair Melgar? Melgar present. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Preston? Present. Preston present. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan present. Commissioner Safai? Safai present, Commissioner Stephanie, present. and Commissioner Walton. Present. Walton present, Chair, we have quorum. All right, thank you, Mr. Clerk. I think you have a public comment announcement. I do. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the Legislative Chamber, Room 250 in City Hall, or you may watch Cable Channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to meet public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001 and when prompted, entering access code 26616292260 and then press pound and pound again. You will be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you should speak on, press star 3 to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star 3 again or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public in attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Um, Commissioner Chan has entered and is present. Thank you. Before calling our next item as chair, I want to invoke rule 3.26 from our rules of order to limit total public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. Each speaker will have two minutes to speak on a given item um, unless I indicate otherwise at the start uh, of that item. Um, Mr. Clerk, will you please call our next item? Item two, chair's report. This is an information item. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Colleagues, as you know, September is Transit Month. I want to thank the San Francisco Transit Riders for hosting the month-long celebration of transit in our city and region. Thanks to um, folks on the board who attended the kickoff rally on September 5th and participated in various activities throughout the month. It was a joy and a delight to join Vice Chair Melgar, Commissioner Dorsey, and Director Chang this past weekend along with thousands of members of the public at the Caltrain electric train event uh, tour uh, of the new electric trains that will operate as part of the Caltrain electrification project when it opens next fall in 2024. Thank you, Vice Chair Melgar, uh, for speaking on behalf of this board, um, as well as Supervisor Dorsey uh, for uh, welcoming everyone to San Francisco and District 6, the site of the current and future terminus for Caltrain, and eventual high-speed rail at Salesforce Transit Center. The TA provided uh, $41 million in Prop K and one Bay Area grant funds to support the electrification project, which will usher in quieter, less polluting, and faster train service capable of serving more communities along the line, including our southeast sector through a potential new station in the Bayview. 
Uh, as always, thank you, Commissioner Walton, for serving as a director on the Caltrain JPB, working in collaboration with Caltrain leaders on these exciting improvements. Another uh, recent development is the legislature's approval of AB 645, the speed safety camera pilot bill uh, from Assemblywoman uh, Laura Friedman that would authorize implementation of speed safety cameras in six California cities, including San Francisco. Um, I've focused on the need for SFPD to step up enforcement of unsafe traffic safety, traffic behaviors, and I'm going to be holding a hearing on that at uh, our PSNS committee at the Board of Supervisors this Thursday, September 28th, beginning at 10 a.m. Um, I want to thank colleagues and community members for your support on this effort. In the meantime, I want to thank Walk SF, Bay Area Families for Safe Streets, Commissioner Peskin, and Commissioner Dorsey, uh, and broad, the broad statewide coalition that advocated to get this uh, speed safety camera bill to the governor's desk for signature. We need this tool um, uh, along with SFPD, traffic enforcement, and all the other tools uh, to counter the sad and disturbing increase in severe and fatal crashes, including the tragic deaths of a child and two seniors uh, in the past month alone on our streets. Um, I've submitted a letter to Governor Newsom urging his signature on AB 645, and we'll have more discussion on other Vision Zero strategies that SFMTA and city agencies are implementing later on this morning's agenda. Finally, uh, as <clears throat> many of you, uh, probably all of you, know and experience yourselves, San Francisco has seen a steady increase in self-driving cars and is now the epicenter of driverless AV ride-hail activity. During our August recess, the California Public Utilities Commission approved expansion of driverless uh, AV permits in San Francisco. We had advocated uh, for more limited incremental expansion out of consideration for the continued emergency response conflicts, among other concerns. Cruise and Waymo can now provide commercial driverless ride hail services in all of San Francisco 24-7 and with no restriction on the size of their fleets, at least as a CPUC matter. However, Cruise did reduce its fleet by half following a crash with a responding SF Fire Department truck at the request of the California DMV. Thanks to our city attorney, David Chu, and his staff for working with um, our city AV team um, to file a motion to stay and rehear the CP CPUC's decision on the AV permits. I know um, lots of us share the concerns um, and have questions about this emerging topic of AV policy and note this has been a statewide and national area of discussion within the disability and labor communities as well. Um, in particular, I want to uh, thank uh, Commissioner Peskin, who has been very much taking the lead on sounding the alarm um, on these issues. Um, uh, and uh, we've asked uh, staff to work with SFMTA, Fire Department, and others to agendize a hearing on our San Francisco experience and perspective at our October meeting, at one of our October meetings. Um, I look forward to a robust discussion of national, state, and local regulatory policy at that time. And with that, I will conclude my remarks, and I see no comments or questions, so let's see if there's any public comment. If anyone in the chamber has public comment, come on forward, and if not, let's see if there's any remote public comment on item two. Checking for a remote comment on item two. Chair, there is no public comment. All right, um, public comment on item two is closed. And Mr. Clerk, please call our next item. Item three, executive director's report. This is an information item. 
Madam Executive Director. <laughs> good morning, Chair, Commissioners. Uh, I begin my report this morning with some good news that San Francisco has received three Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant Awards uh, in the recent months. Uh, and it was uh, really a pleasure to hear that out of the entire statewide round of 41 million, San Francisco received 2.3 million, including $474,000 to the Caltrain Peninsula Corridor Joint Powers Authority for Climate Change Vulnerability Study to address the impacts along the Caltrain Corridor. In addition, BART received 515000 for its Embarcadero Structure Long-Term Adaptation Project uh, to look to see how they might adapt the, uh, their infrastructure along that corridor. And then the SFMTA, together with the Port of San Francisco, received over $1.3 million also for the Embarcadero uh, Mobility Resilience Plan. So those two will be coordinating uh, along that Embarcadero corridor. So this is a really great um, outcome, and we congratulate all four agencies uh, thank the state for their investment in helping to make the San Francisco infrastructure in these areas uh, more resilient. Uh, next, we'll turn to some updates on outreach. Uh, just wanted to note that the Bayview Caltrain Station Location Study has upcoming outreach. As you'll recall, this is a study to advance a single preferred location of the two remaining options at Oakdale and at Evans Avenues to restore Caltrain service through an infill station at, in the Bayview since the closure of Paul Avenue back in 2005. Uh, so we've been advancing work on the study, including some preliminary station design options, uh, are seeking the community's input. This team has presented so far to the Bayview Hunters Point and Shipyard CACs, and will be hosting another outreach event at the Hunters Point YMCA at 10.30 a.m. Saturday, the four October 14th. Uh, more information can be found at the project website, sfcta.org slash bayview-caltrain. Also, uh, the uh, TA's planning teams are working on the Brotherhood Way surf Safety and Circulation Plan. Outreach will launch uh, this month and into November. We're connecting with community-based uh, neighborhood organizations in the study area to in introduce the uh, outreach approach and details about the first round of outreach, which will begin in November. Uh, this will focus on the transportation access needs and barriers, uh, multimodal challenges in that court high uh, high need and high area uh, traffic area focus, including pedestrian and bicycle access. So we will be incorporating, of course, these into subsequent um, co coordination with the state uh, as that's close to the interchange of Highway um, 1, uh, right in the southeast, southwest sector. Next, I just want to highlight the District 4 community shuttle outreach. Um, this is a shuttle to look at a business case for um, serving the Sunset area with potentially uh, uh, different kinds of on-demand shuttles. Uh, this could be implemented uh, uh, perhaps in the next year or two following the study, and we're right now in the process of surveying the community about trade-offs in terms of um, different service attributes. Um, this will also include some focus groups with merchant, senior, and neighborhood community organizations. Uh, encourage folks to look for the survey, uh, both online and they can contact our planning team at the Transportation Authority as well. We have um, Rachel Hyatt, our Deputy Director for Planning, uh, who can help uh, engage folks who uh, may need access to, to that study. We also will hope to bring that report back to you all in early 2024. On turning to project delivery, I've got a lot of updates here. The Breda light rail vehicle overhauls are now complete. This is SFMTA's um, overhaul of the, the 
prior fleet, the 149 Breda light rail vehicles that is um, being uh, eased out and that we're bringing on the Siemens to replace, but there are still some of them certainly that need to be operating, so thank you to SFMTA for overhauling the entire 149 Breda LRV fleet. Uh, turning to schools engineering, some Prop K funded school walk audits are complete. SFMTA has finished walk audit reports and some engineering improvements at five schools, Aptos Middle School in District 7, Chinese Immersion School at Diavola Elementary in District 5, Lawton Elementary in District 4, Mission Preparatory Elementary in District 10, and Paul Revere Elementary in District 9. Uh, there are a total of about 95 potential improvements across all of these five schools, of which 20 have been completed as of August. Each school does have a budget of about $50,000 for their near-term improvements. Uh, MTA staff, SFMTA, implemented uh, some of these starting in September, uh, earlier, sorry, summer of 23, and anticipate completing these improvements in winter of 24. I uh, just want to thank them again. This will include measures such as signs, curb paint, roadway paint, and more complex measures such as speed humps, raised crosswalks, and signal timing modifications. Turning to uh, additional traffic calming in the Bayview, Commissioner Walton, I think, and SFMTA recently celebrated the completion of eight new traffic calming uh, devices in the Bayview along Gilman Avenue and also in Aurelius Walker Drive. Uh, that's really great news, very much needed. Uh, this is near especially Bret Hart Elementary School. The school, this project is funded again by a Prop K grant of $3 million. Uh, Golden Gate Avenue and Laguna Street paving, um, that project has also been substantially completed. Happy to report it's a $3 million grant as well from our Prop K program. This would be Golden Gate and Laguna. The Golden Gate segments are Van Ness to Divisadera and on Laguna from Haight to Golden Gate and from Turk to, from Turk to Pine Street, also on Laguna. Uh, this is about 36 blocks of pavement, renovation, construction, retrofitting of 21 curb ramps and new sidewalk construction. So thank you to SFMTA for that work in public works. Joyce Alley in District 3, the lighting improvement project there, a very small, modest one, but very key to Joyce in Chinatown, um, has also been completed. This is uh, to help make that sidewalk area more inviting and safer for pedestrians near Gordon Lau Elementary in the Powell Cable Car Line uh, and the new subway station at Rose Pack Chinatown. So this was uh, energized back over the summer by PG&E, the new lighting and the TA provided 500,000 in Prop AA vehicle reg fee funds to support that project. Two more, uh, the SFMTA's uh, Bike rack installation around the city is also making great progress. This summer, MTA completed another tranche, about 1,400 bicycle racks uh, installed with funding from the uh, Transportation Fund for Clean Air from the Air District that we, imp uh, that we administer for uh, the Air District. The, the board approved this round back in June, so we want to take a moment to highlight the progress MTA continues to make um, and appreciate that approximately 30% of the racks are in equity priority communities over the last few years. Members of the public can, of course, continue to request installation of new bike racks by visiting sfmta.com slash getting around and bike parking. 
I think uh, as far as my last delivery update, the Fulton Street Safety Project has completed its last um, final piece, the speed uh, radar speed sign on Fulton at 16th and 39th. These were the final elements of the Fulton Street Safety Project in District 1 and funded by District 1 neighborhood uh, NTIP funds from the Prop K uh, sales tax. And again, this started with a community-driven process to identify safety improvements along Fulton and subsequently installed various other improvements, including new painted safety zones and daylighting, uh, intersection daylighting and bicycle signals, along with a new paved path into Golden Gate Park at 22nd Avenue for cyclists. Finally, turning to a few um, uh, admin updates, I was uh, recently privileged to attend the ITS Australia Global Summit um, in Melbourne as a member of the USDOT-sponsored uh, Federal Highways Delegation. Uh, our highlights included panels and discussions with Europe and Asia counterparts, um, particularly on uh, connected and autonomous vehicles and AV regulation. Uh, we also talked about net zero transportation policy. I was honored to give short uh, talks on both topics, um, as well as I was able to tour the Melbourne Tunnel Project, a nine-kilometer four-station subway under construction in the heart of Melbourne, um, and we shared a lot of lessons learned from our tunnel um, projects as, as part of that exchange. And then finally, our longtime director of communications, Eric Young, has um, departed us after 10 years serving as our communications director. He is now um, moving on to the port of San Francisco, where we wish him all the best. And so just wanted to thank Eric for his tenure and his contributions, and also note that we are now recruiting for a successor, director of communications, and more information on that position is on our website, sfcta.org. Thank you so much. Thank you, Director Chang. Um, let's open your uh, report to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who would like to talk to the board about item three, come on forward. And if there is no one, uh, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item three. Chair, there is public comment. Let me go to the caller. Welcome, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Good morning, Commissioners um, Roland Brand. Um, I just want to share that um, I'm extremely excited about the, uh, Director Chang's um, uh, visit to the Melbourne project, and uh, I personally look forward to hearing more about uh, what she learned um, down there. Um, but in closing, I would like to echo um, a comment about um, Eric Young. I've had the opportunity to interact with Eric multiple times um, over the last 10 years. Now, last met him at the uh, launch of the um, uh, autonomous uh, shuttles on the Treasure Island. And as always, Eric was courteous, he was knowledgeable and extremely helpful. I will miss him and I wish him the best. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no additional public comment. All right, public comment on item three is closed. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item four? Item four, approve the minutes of the September 12th, 2023 meeting. This is an action item. Is there any public comment on the minutes in the chamber? Not seeing any. Uh, let's see if there's any remote public comment on item four. There is no remote public comment on item four. Okay. Um, public comment on item four is closed. Is there a motion to approve the minutes? 
Moved by Preston, seconded by Dorsey. Mr. Clerk, can you please call the roll on item four? On item four, Commissioner Chan. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Guardia? Aye. Guardia, aye. Chair Middleman? Aye. Middleman, aye. Vice Chair Milgar? Aye. Milgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Well, nine, there are 11 ayes. The minutes are approved. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Can you please call our consent agenda, agenda items five through nine? Items five through nine comprise the consent agenda. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but is available for questions. Great. Um, is there a motion to approve the consent agenda? Uh, moved by Walton, seconded by Melgar. Um, and I think we can take that same house same call without objection and the consent agenda is passed uh, mr. clerk can you please call item 10 item, item 10 vision zero quick build program project update this is an information item and I think we have Jen Wong the SFMTA quick build program manager Hello and good morning, commissioners. My name is Jen Wong. I am a transportation planner and also the Vision Zero Quick Build Program Manager at San Francisco MTA. And today I'll be providing an update um, on various quarter projects um, of this program um, as I was uh, initially invited to by uh, members of the CAC. Well, I'll begin with Valencia Street. Um, well, hold up. You, you have a slideshow you're trying to show us, yeah. right? Is okay. the slideshow this arrow or that arrow? It's this one here. Okay. It should be showing. It shows on my screen. There we go. Seems close. <laughs> Do we want to take a couple minute break to uh
SFGov, can you please share the slides? It's showing up, it shows something different though. Are we happy? We can see slides, it's not the ideal format, but do we wanna just go with it? Oh, that seems excellent. Oh, oh, we had one moment of like, it was exactly right. There you go, you got it. You're good. Success. Take it away. Quickly before, ah! All right, <laughs> great. Just wanted to make sure you got the, the nifty little visual here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'll begin with Valencia Street. Um, so again, this pilot project was approved um, back in April um, and had been recently completed just last month. Um, this was really an all hands on deck sort of effort um, to install new protected bike uh, center running bikeways on Valencia Street um, for the first time and also um, its associated uh, on-street parking and loading changes. Um, the project involved a lot of new materials um, that were uh, new for San Francisco streets that were um, especially ordered just for this project. Um, that includes the K71 bollards and um, black and white bus curbs. Um, these are materials, again, that are um, very new for us. And it seems like there might just be a delay I will say that although Valencia has been um, in the spotlight for construction, we do have a couple of other projects um, that were in construction or have finished construction. Um, so we have the Bayshore Boulevard Quick Build Project um, that con started construction just last month um, and is now finishing up any day now. And this uh, project installed curbside protected bikeways and other traffic calming treatments on the segment between Silver and Oakdale. Um, on Lake Merced, uh, Construction started at the top of this month, and it's one of our longest corridors um, with several different distinct uh, segments. And so our construction will be um, coming in at various uh, phases. And taken all together, some of the um, really exciting elements of this project include um, a protected bikeway um, protected with uh, concrete curbs, traffic calming, and also um, new bus boarding islands. Next up, uh, we have the Lincoln Quick Build Project um, that is currently preparing for construction. And this project uh, nearly covers the entire southern border of Golden Gate Park, um, where we will be installing new crosswalks, paint safety zones, left turn calming treatments, daylighting signal head upgrades, and signal retiming improvements um, in order to help people cross the street. And during um, the open house of this uh, project, over 800 comments were collected from over 550 uh, respondents. Also uh, waiting in the wings, uh, we have the Sloat uh, Quick Build Project, 
um, which had an open house in April and was approved by MTA board uh, in July. And this project involved uh, protected bikeways, um, and that serves as a valuable connection um, between the Great Highway um, and uh, Lake Merced, as I mentioned earlier. So similar to Lincoln Street, uh, Lincoln, Avenue, uh, Lincoln Way, uh, engineers for this project are also um, in the process of, um, of preparing their implementation work orders. And then following slowly behind, uh, closely behind, uh, we have a couple projects um, that hosted open house events earlier this year. Uh, so uh, you know, the open house really is a major uh, milestone for projects since it's an opportunity uh, for the teams to really collect feedback on those proposed designs um, and to make adjustments in response um, before pursuing any final uh, approvals. So Hyde Street is one of these projects um, where two alternatives were uh, shared during their open house um, period. And since then, the team has been combing over um, the feedback that was co collected, and they will be making their final recommendations to the MTA board um, as soon as next month. The 17th Street project also ha uh, held an open house uh, earlier this year um, and are also preparing for MTA board approvals this fall. Um, and the scope of this project includes uh, upgrading existing bike lanes to protected bike lanes. And the team is also working um, very closely with major institutions along that corridor. So the projects that I've presented so far are really meant to highlight um, fresh and major milestones um, and exciting news and recent news. But there are many other <laughs> corridor um, projects that are in the works. And so of particular note, I wanted to call out these two, um, the Oak Street and Sutter Street projects. Uh, which are now well underway in their design phase um, and conducting um, a lot of outreach. The Oak Street project takes place on the roadway alongside the Panhandle, um, and Sutter Street will focus um, on the segment between uh, Market and Polk Street. And protected bikeways will be uh, really key elements for both of these projects. Um, so for these ongoing projects and uh, for really any of our quick build projects, I, um, I truly invite everyone to visit sfmta.com slash quickbuild um, to find more information um, there. And lastly, um, I just wanted to also share with you all the Quick Build Toolkit project. And this is a new initiative that we are undertaking, uh, which is an effort to install proven core safety treatments on all remaining parts of the Hydrogen Network, where we still have remaining work to do. Um, and based on the study that was completed, we are implementing uh, tools like pedestrian head start timing and uh, paint safety zones at uh, very targeted and specific locations. And we'll be tracking um, our progress with a mapping tool um, in order to visualize and to quantify um, our progress um, of implementation. We expect this effort to be in the range of five to six uh, million dollars, and we will be returning this fall uh, with a funding allocation request um, uh, for this effort specifically. Um, though I will say that our design work has already begun. Um, we currently have, do have a team of four engineers um, who are assigned to complete uh, designs. And um, in summary, overall, I will say that we are um, committed to carrying out uh, this initiative along with 
uh, completing our quick build corridor projects that are currently funded and uh, in progress, uh, thanks to the support of, um, of this board. And thank you, um, and that concludes my update. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Ronan. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the for the presentation. Um, I just want to acknowledge, uh, very sadly, that just last week an 80-year-old man was hit and killed crossing Valencia Street, um, and became the 14th pedestrian death in the city. Uh, of those 14 pedestrian deaths, five have been in District Nine. So this is extremely important uh, to me and moving quickly, uh, it, as is in the name, is extremely important to me. I do, I do wanna just clear up um, any concerns that the um, pedestrian death on Valencia Street was not related to the bike lanes. Uh, the person was, uh, the vehicle was turning left onto Valencia Street. Um, and the bike lanes weren't involved in any way, shape, or form. So I just want to want to make that clear. Um, I, the original uh, quick build plan was to finish all the projects by December of this year, by the by the end of this calendar year. And several of those um, that are underway are in District Nine. Are you on track to? to complete that, those projects by those timelines? And if not, why? And what do you need to get on track to, to meet that, that goal or that, that, that commitment you made to San Francisco? Yeah, I'll begin um, by just reiterating our commitment to um, completing our quick build projects um, by the end of 2024. Um, for any specific projects, um, either in District 9 or in other districts, I'm really happy to connect you directly with um, the project team who, who will have um, a more detailed um, um, sort of understanding um, of all the complexities and design challenges um, or outreach efforts that they've been conducting. Um, I do know that every um, quick build project has is is very special, <laughs> and they do have a tailored um, process in terms of um, who they're reaching out to, um, the level of engagement, um, and um, just based on its uh, geography and, and location, um, there are some very um, particular um, constraints and, and details that they need to work with. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to um, look into the specific projects. Well, I, sorry, so did you say whether or not you're on track to complete all the projects by the end of the year? Yes, all, all of the projects, yes. Okay, and how are you communicating progress um, for each project? I know that advocates have asked for, you know, a public dashboard, something where we could actually follow in real time where you're at with each of the, the individual projects? Yeah, the individual projects um, are, they all have uh, project teams assigned to them and they do um, very tailored communication um, to their uh, to their stakeholders and to the community groups that they're in touch with. Um, so those are usually through um, email updates, it could be one-on-one um, -on -one stakeholder meetings, um, joining in on presentations and um, providing those updates. Um, in terms of um, programmatically, uh, we do send monthly updates out to a um, to an email subscription list um, 
of uh, where we have, I think it's in the hundreds of subscribers. Um, we also uh, will push those updates um, out on our um, quick build landing page. Again, that's sfmta.com slash quick build. Um, I know that a lot of our you know, quick builds is, is one segment of the work that we do. Um, and um, a lot of that information, uh, once completed, does get roll up, rolled up into um, a higher level uh, Vision Zero um, uh, dashboard that quantifies uh, the amount of treatments that we're um, installing. How many projects in total are there that are left to be completed? Um, let's see. I believe there are currently 15 projects remaining, uh, corridor projects remaining. Um, so th these are the more complex um, sort of corridor redesign sort of, um, sort of efforts. And so, it, so the only way to find out and get updates on you know, where each one of these 15 projects is at is to go onto the website and track down. Like there's no one area that we could go to that has all 15 projects and where they are in the completion process? There is. Um, so on that webpage, um, we do have a monthly um, table that we will update um, that okay. summarizes um, the, the entirety of, of all the projects. Okay, and can you send that link to me so yeah. that I can check that out and make sure that that's widely known and shared? Certainly. Um, <laughs> okay, appreciate this. Again, with five of the seven of the fourteen pedestrian deaths this year in District Nine, I feel more urgency than ever before. Um, I I don't it, I don't know why we're moving backwards, but it's really concerning. Let's hope that uh, our governor signs the latest bill to reduce speed and get cameras up. Um, we know that's by far one of the most effective ways of uh, ensuring that our drivers are, are, are driving uh, safer, but um, these numbers are just, they're awful. They're absolutely awful. And, uh, I, you know, we, we've got to double down and make sure we are moving forward and not backwards. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner Ronan. If you don't mind, I, I want to try asking that. A, a little bit more or, or, or again because I think one of the things that's confusing to me and maybe I just don't quite get how this is supposed to work but it at least as I understand it there's like f more than 50 miles of quick build work left to do in a year plus a few months and I guess that works out to like a little bit more than three miles a month and um, you're saying we're committed to it but does, am I thinking about this? And that, that just seems like quite a lift. Is it quite a lift? Is that realistic that you think you can get those 50 plus miles done in the next year? Am I, is that the wrong way to think about it? Can you maybe elucidate that? Is that's, I think the same question, but if you could, the, the scale seems quite significant given the, but maybe is that scale consistent with the pace of the quick build product. I don't think it's consistent with the pace that has been so far, but if it is, disabuse me of that, my misunderstanding. Yes, I can add a little bit of clarification to that. Um, so I think there's sort of two, two concurrent efforts that um, we're undertaking. 
um, one effort is these uh, more complex corridor style projects where we're you know, redesigning streets from curb to curb. Um, the, other, the second effort, um, which um, was the summary of my last slide, is our Quick Build Toolkit project. And we are really counting on um, the Quick Build Toolkit on maximizing our coverage um, and, and hitting all, all the locations of that 50 miles remaining. Um, again, You're going to touch wanna... them in some way. Yes, we will. Um, just making sure that they all have um, the core safety elements um, and, and more. Um, so there are locations that we will also be evaluating for um, treatments that are a little bit more specialized, uh, such as um, turn calming treatments, uh, painted safety zones, um, and signal lens upgrades. So what's the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Can we look at that slide with the, the basic toolkit touches? to turn on the slides. Um, SFGov, please turn on the slides. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. oh. Calendar. I can also name the treatments that sure. were displayed on that slide. Yeah. Um, so that includes um, advanced limit lines, uh, daylighting, continental crosswalks, um, signal retiming for um, pedestrian head starts, signal retiming for um, a slower walking speed, uh, painted safety zones, and also turn calming treatments. So the notion that something in that neighborhood goes to each of these high injury but the extent, of it, the extent of it is to be determined. We'll be evaluating um, all, all of the remaining locations for all of these treatments, not just one. So it seems like you might, all right, so is that a good call? It, it, because you're now trying to get cover, some kind of coverage in lots and lots of places, but you might not be done or even close to done with that corridor. The goal is implementation. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure we'll hear from we'll hear from the advocacy community um, their thoughts on that. But uh, uh, Vice Chair Melgar, thank you, Chair Mandelman. So I am so glad uh, for this update. Thank you very much for the presentation. Um, I am thrilled that we are uh, on pace to complete the quick build on Lake Merced. Boulevard, there have been two deaths uh, on Lake Merced since I've been supervisor due to high speeds. Um, and also to, um, you know, Sloat, which is right at the border of Supervisor and Guardio in my district in front of the zoo, which gets a lot of traffic uh, and, you know, the way to um, the Great Highway uh, when it's closed. So I'm really glad about that. Um, there are some things that were not in your... Um, 
presentation that I uh, worry about quite a bit as well. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's going to be on the website that you talked about or if there's a way to, you know, figure out timeline. Uh, I'm specifically worried about Frida Kahlo um, in Clarendon. Um, Frida Kahlo because, um, you know, we have had a, a committee of residents um, working on the Ocean Avenue um, you know, stuff, and uh, the MTA did go to, you know, the residents about the Frida Kahlo, which I, you know, totally support, but, I, you know, the integration of that with everything else that we're doing on Ocean Avenue is really important. Um, and both Clarendon and uh, Frida Kahlo are right in front of multiple schools. So City College is on one side. Uh, there's active construction going on, uh, but also Reardon. And in the morning and in the afternoon in front of Reardon, there's all kinds of stuff that happens in multiple, uh, you know, parents dropping off, taking up kids and bicyclists and kids walking. So I'm eager to understand the timing when that's going to be done, and especially before we add a bunch of new residents at the Balboa Reservoir, which is going to happen. And then Clarendon is in front of Clarendon Elementary School. Uh, it's on a hill. People go very, very fast. And at least once a week, I get um, complaints from folks in Forest Knolls, uh, in Midtown Terrace, about the high speeds and the lack of safety. So I'm also eager to hear about that. Um, and even though it's not at my district, forgive me, uh, Supervisor Ronan, uh, but you know, uh, I do take the Valencia bicycle lane every day, twice a day. Um, and uh, I do uh, think, you know, despite my initial skepticism, I do think it is better than it was before. Um, however, I'm wondering if we're keeping track. You, in your presentation, you talked about new materials and, you know, like getting used to handling them. And I'm wondering if there's like assessment of those new materials going forward. At least a third of those plastic bollards are now like damaged or down altogether. Um, I wish it was something. And, you know, I've had people in uh, cars, like turn around right in front of me on my bike. And it is a very, very uh, highly trafficked bicycle lane now. I mean, it's a main thoroughfare now, um, which is great. Uh, but I also think that people behave badly and the materials that we use kind of enable it. And I'm wondering if we're keeping track of that, revisiting it, giving feedback, um, if there's data, you know, that we have attached to those new materials. Okay, that was a lot of questions, sorry. <laughs> sure, I'll um, start with Frida Kahlo. Um, I just wanted to um, reassure you that project is well underway and um, the project team has been having very direct um, discussions um, with, um, with City College and um, I think they are actually very close um, to um, presenting um, their, their final proposals um, and will be um, likely going to MTA board soon, um, sometime this fall. Um, for Clarendon Street uh, or Clarendon Avenue, um, that uh, corridor is also in the works. Um, we do have a project team assigned um, and they will be um, having discussions with, um, with the elementary school. Um, that project is also um, closely coordinated um, with um, repaving that will be done on Clarendon um, so that uh, the designs will be ready um, by the time um, public works um, is mobilizing um, their, their repaving crews. Um, so those are um, uh, tied together. 
um, let's see, the for Valencia materials, um, I know that uh, once um, construction has um, significantly concluded um, in August, that kickstarts um, their evaluation period. And I think that materials um, selection um, or uh, evaluation of the materials quality, I think will be a piece of that. Um, I know that for our projects, um, our engineers do do very careful selection of what they're using um, based on the the, the urban context um, that they're working with. Um, so, you know, sort of in contrast, um, Lake Merced is, um, as you, you know, as you mentioned, is, is fairly high speed. And for that reason, um, for, that pro for that project, um, they went with a concrete protection. Um, so there is some, um, there is some, some consideration um, in terms of uh, what's used. I think one of the great things about Quick Build Project is that um, it's meant to be um, iterative um, as a design process, and um, a lot of what we're installing, um, kind of in in its first round, could um, uh, does lend itself to be upgraded later on um, and and modified and tweaked um, and based on our evaluation. Right. Uh, Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Um, first, I want to express my appreciation to um, everyone for the excellent work done uh, for the Fair and Peers Report, and thank everybody from MTA and SFCTA um, who have been working diligently over the years on Vision Zero. It's appreciated. Um, the Fair and Peers Report uh, unsurprisingly notes that District 6 is one of the city's uh, most dangerous areas, and it identifies, I think, 21 projects for the district. Um, on the high-speed one-way corridors, the report suggests, among other um, possibilities, road diets. Um, and I think given how dangerous some of those corridors are, a design review and robust improvements um, would be advisable. But I wanted to ask, is there a plan and timeline for those streets, in particular um, Harrison, Bryant, uh, 9th and 10th? Those, in my experience, are just the, the, the ones that I think should be prioritized. So I'm just curious if there is a timeline on that. Yeah, for several of the corridors um, where we have um, more travel lanes uh, to work with, I think we'll be taking um, an even closer look at that um, for improvements beyond the just the, the quick build core toolkit, um, sort of the eight items that I had listed. Um, but um, like you referred to, I think road diets could um, be something that we will evaluate okay. for those um, for those three for the for those three locations. Okay. Is there a set of criteria? Can I ask, like, how um, MTA prioritizes projects that it identifies in the report? I think there. That's a great question. Um, there's actually um, a, a number of factors that we. Um, that we try to balance um, and use for prioritization. Um, I think um, some of those factors include whether um, we're establishing um, a network connection, um, say in the bicycle network, for, for instance. Um, there's also uh, construction coordination opportunities such as upcoming sewer projects or repaving projects that we might want to um, uh, join in on, on their timelines. Um, there are also other um, considerations as such as schools, um, whether um, there are um, 
a, a history of advocacy um, that has been um, expressed to us um, through other projects. Um, we also have, you know, maintained relationships um, uh, through some of the stakeholders that, um, that we talked to um, for prior projects and, you know, they might indicate to us um, where um, <coughs> there's, there's um, additional need. Um, also, we have um, equity priority communities where we might want to focus our work um, and funding opportunities as, as well. Um, these are all factors that, that we try to balance. On funding, can I ask if given current resources, um, how many miles or projects do you think we could complete per month or in, in a time that you identify? Yeah, so currently um, we are funded through um, a combination of TNC tax um, program as well as our um, Prop K or um, perhaps our upcoming Prop L um, uh, half cent sales tax. And um, all of the corridor projects um, are, have already been allocated um, funding um, through, through this board. Um, come f uh, later, later this, this season um, in fall, um, my uh, Vision Zero uh, program manager will be um, coming back um, to submit a request um, in, in a range of five to six million dollars um, for this quick build toolkit effort, which um, is really meant to, to, to get us that, that full coverage. Great, thanks. Commissioner Stephanie. Thank you. Uh, just a few questions. I'm, a, I'm just a bit confused about the report and the presentation. Um, obviously, there have been three pedestrian deaths in District 2 this year. It's 23% of all of them throughout the city. And um, I'm looking at the cut sheets that are in the um, consultant's report. Um, I'm just confused on how you're going to prioritize the 50 miles of quick build. I know Chair Dorsey, not Chair, Commissioner Dorsey, was trying uh, to get at that too in terms of prioritizing, but I would like to know, and we can take this offline, but in terms of what you're planning for District 2, how I can communicate this to my constituents in terms of what will be done and when, and also um, more than half of the 160 cut sheets that were um, that had recommendations from the consultant for enhanced pedestrian safety treatments. Um, I am not sh certain how it's being factored into the SFMTA work plan and the $5 million. I mean, is everything contingent on that funding? If you can just provide some clarity around at least specific districts. And the, I don't expect you to do that right now, but I really would like to know so I can communicate to my constituents when these improvements are going to be made. Yes, certainly. I'm happy to um, set up some time and uh, look more in depth on, on your specific district and look at um, the work that remains there. Um, we're currently going through some work planning, but um, I think once we um, have um, some clarity about our shop's capacities, I will certainly get back to you. Okay, and I just want clarity on what exactly you need to get this done on time. Is it staffing? Is it funding? Is it political support? What, what, what do you need to get this done on time? I would say a combination of all of the above. Um, okay. I, I definitely think that um, we have already have gathered um, quite a bit of support. Um, we've had 
um, a lot of support from our advocates who are really challenging us and really um, you know, making sure that we're putting this effort um, at the forefront. And I've heard, um, you know, I've heard from, from my leadership um, that you know, over the course of a year, um, our field operations crews, they, they do routine work. Um, and you know, something like this will definitely um, rise to the top and, um, um, and, and take priority. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Stephanie. Uh, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Um, and thank you for all the, the work on this to everyone involved. Um, I, I just want to, um, I, I think these quick builds are extremely important uh, part of our strategy. I also want to recognize that despite some really positive work through the quick builds to date uh, and many of the other uh, strategies we've taken, that we are still looking this far into Vision Zero at last year 39 traffic related deaths the highest um i think since 2007 if i'm not mistaken so um the more the better in my opinion um and i'm encouraged to see uh, some of the plans here i did want to um, just comment on a few things one is in the tenderloin in particular to give credit for some real progress around quick builds that i think have been uh, that are really important uh, in the tenderloin um, but i also want to emphasize uh, uh, commissioner dorsey's point around looking at road diet strategies too and especially some of these fast moving one-way streets uh, that continue to um, to be a real problem in terms of uh, injuries and uh, and deaths so looking forward to collaborating um, on on that as well i also wanted to comment on the oak street and thank you for for highlighting that the um the bike lane plan there and and just really want to note that as modeled off the fell street uh parking protected bike lane as in my opinion really a model for how to go about some of these and just want to thank mta and fire department and neighbors and everyone in, with our office really collaborating around pushing that forward, but also monitoring the data and making sure it wasn't negatively impacting um, first responders. It has reduced speeds and I think been a really positive uh, change on Fell Street and uh, hopefully we'll move forward without delays on, uh, on Oak Street. So thank you for highlighting that one. Um, I did wanna ask about a couple streets in my district that I did not really see highlighted and, and uh, are of concern. Uh, that's Goff and Franklin, which really continued to be very high speed and dangerous uh, uh, stretches, both in my district and stretching into my colleague's district uh, in District 2 to the north. It, it, can you comment, like, are, is, is there a reason those aren't highlighted more prominently here? Sure, I can speak on um, Franklin for a little bit. Um, so that project um, had um, been substantially completed um, earlier this year. Um, however, we, um, since since its implementation, um, we've conducted an evaluation of that project and um, I believe the project team is now uh, coming back to revisit um, some of the, the prior proposals um, that, um, that they had been considering. Um, and I think there are um, specific evaluation measures um, that they were they were looking into um, that um, came up a little bit short. And so I think that project team is, you know, in the spirit of quick builds, um, looking at how that can be adjusted and refined um, in order to to further reduce speeds. 
Um, so there's, it's an ongoing effort um, and, again, the iterative process um, for that project. Thank um, you. And anything planned on golf? For Golf Street, um, I am currently not aware of, of any efforts um, uh, aside from the Quick Build Toolkit, um, but I can certainly check with my directors um, to see if there was any, anything planned and get back to you. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Um, and I think, colleagues, if we do not have other comments or questions, we should go to public comment. So if there are, so let's do it. If there are folks in the chamber who'd like to come forward, line up on that side. Good morning. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and this commission. Um, my name is Jody Medeiros, and I'm the executive director of Walk San Francisco. And I am so grateful for all of you today to really highlight what is being heard and keep our city committed to Vision Zero. <clears throat> we need your focus because this is a critical piece of how we are going to get and end the epidemic that we have on our streets. I am so glad that we actually have this Fair and Peers report. These are your cut sheets. This is the marching orders for the agency and it really does outline what needs to be done. And I am kind of disappointed of the presentation and the responses that you heard today. I'm concerned about the lack of detail of when and how the SFMTA will deliver on their promise to complete the sizable project in a fairly condensed amount of time. We need a plan because time is ticking. We also are asking for these additional enhanced pedestrian safety treatments like the left turn calming and the no turn on red and the pedestrian safety zones. They need to be added at the same time because this is really the bare minimum to keep us safe in the crosswalk. The report does show where the real road diets need to be had. Bryant, Harrison, 9th, 10th, Guerrero, Goff, Franklin, Hyde, Lincoln Way. We need real redesigns because we have to manage speed in our city. We all should be able to cross the street safely, especially our children and our seniors. And we are here today to ask you and invite you to encourage the SFMTA to make their promised improvements on the 900 intersections or 50 plus miles and complete this on time by December 2024. Thank you. Let's hear from our next speaker. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Esso. I live in North Beach, District 3. I'm going to keep this short because I'm angry about recent pedestrian deaths and what I really want to say would offend. I was hit by a car in the city, barely survived, and by God's grace, I'm here in front of you, all of you now with and for those who are no longer able or no longer with us. Vision Zero needs more vision heroes. From where I stand, they're here, speaking truth before and after me, requiring your immediate attention, and their demands should be yours. Please listen, please act. This is your responsibility to be on the right side of saving lives. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker.
Good morning, Chairman Andelman and Commissioners. My name is Evan Ravik, and I'm the advocacy manager for Walk San Francisco. People are being hit and killed crossing the street. Three people in six weeks, a four-year-old girl is included. Meanwhile, 900 intersections on the high injury network have yet to get any basic pedestrian safety improvements. We applaud the SFMTA for getting a full assessment by fair and peers of what's needed at these 900 dangerous intersections. But having the information is the first step. Today's presentation included not a single slide on how. How will the SFMTA deliver now that it has the details on these dangerous intersections? As you've heard today, there is not a clear plan. But we need a public plan for how exactly the SFMTA will deliver on its promise to bring these safety improvements. Accountability on this issue is a matter of life and death. It would be heartbreaking if a year from now the SFMTA hasn't delivered safer crossings at these 900 intersections. Let's not look back on this moment with regret. The board must insist and receive a realistic and achievable plan soon. Thank you. Thank you. If there's anyone else in the chamber who wants to talk to us about item 10, please come forward. Otherwise, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 10. Yes, Chair, there is remote public comment. Going to the first caller. Hello, caller. Your two Sorry. minutes begin. Okay. Uh, good morning, Chair Mendelman and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Apoorva Koti, and I live in District 6. Uh, so first, I just want to restate the sad fact that in the last six weeks, three people have been killed simply crossing the street in our city, including a four-year-old child. Now, I live near Fourth and King, and this tragedy was a scary reminder to me that it can easily happen to me, too. I've had several close calls across the city with drivers that showed little regard for my presence, and the streets are what enabled them to drive dangerously, even when I have the right of way. This is not an acceptable state of affairs for a world-class city like ours, and if we all agree that our city should be designed for people, not cars, we need our streets to reflect So we need to make Vision Zero a reality, and I'm urging SFMTA to deliver on its promise to redesign 900 dangerous intersections in the city safety first. Every intersection needs a simple no turn on red change. Uh, SFMTA's own study on the Tenderloin pilot showed a reduction in close calls and crosswalk encroachment. And so we should simply extend this citywide to prioritize pedestrian safety rather than driver convenience. And in the same vein, we need left turn calming and pedestrian safety zones in all these intersections. Um, the city needs a strong commitment to these changes, along with the long-term funding and staff required to implement them in time. And to reiterate again, Three people, including a young child, are dead in six weeks. Our street design is at the core of this, and so our city deserves the accountability to ensure this never happens again. Thanks for your time. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hello, Chris Gachet here. Uh, thank you to the board and MTA for your work and for hearing my comments. Um, for context, I live in Nopa, and I ride my, I ride my bike to work uh, in East Mission every day, and I absolutely love it. It's, it's life-changing, and 
Uh, I want to recommend it to more people, but it's it's honestly very scary to do. Um, I thank you for the comments from Supervisor Ronan. I, I appreciated your concern, um, but I wanted to make some counterpoints. Um, the supervisor mentioned that <clears throat> we think that this recent pedestrian death was not related to the bike lane. However, um, I think we see from around the world that the, the way to make crossings as safe as possible is to reduce the distance that the pedestrian is exposed when crossing. Um, so having the center bike lane increases the amount of time that the pedestrian is exposed and also makes them less visible. Um, the, uh, the supervisor also mentioned um, hoping that we could uh, get a, a state law to reduce speed limits. Um, but I wanted to say that I think that um, design is much more important than signs. Um, when you're out there uh, as a squishy person on the street, you're not worried about the, the average or the compliant driver. You're worried about the drivers who aren't following um, signs. So the best way to reduce speeds is not a sign on the side of the road, but rather um, uh, the street design like narrow lanes, chicanes, and other calming measures to slow drivers down. Um, so um, thank you, SFMTA, for all your quick build work. And my hope is that, that as we iterate this quick build, uh, we can move to side bike lanes on Valencia um, to make the biking safer and make the crossings uh, safer. Thank you. Thank you, caller. <clears throat> Moving on to the next caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. All right, I'm, I'm Stephen Bingham. Uh, my daughter was killed biking to work, not in San Francisco, but it could have been there 10 years ago. And I've been ever since a member of Families for Safe Streets, and I want to strongly endorse what Jody Adiris said and the work that work, Walk SF has been doing, and I really appreciate the tenor of the questions of the supervisors to staff. It's clear that there isn't a plan. Uh, there ought to be a monthly plan with outcomes, specific outcomes. Um, um, you know, 900 intersections. There ought to be X number completed every month and the agency should be brought in front of the board to to confirm that those have been done. What's disturbing listening to the agency MTA presentation is a little bit that it's same old, same old. We're all good faith. We're doing our best and we'll get there. Don't worry about it. It's not good for a public agency to be like that. And too often uh, things happen immediately as soon as someone gets Killed. I remember Emily Mulak, and all of a sudden they put in the bike lane that they had promised months before. Can't be like that, folks. Uh, uh, it is a question of life and death, and I know it from personal experience. Um, last thing, unrelated, but for everyone listening, please let the governor know uh, to sign AB 645, which would give the city a tool with a Thank you, uh, speed camera. Thank you. There is no more public comment for this item. All right, public comment on item 10 is closed. Um, could I get 
um, is Wong back up? You know, I neglected to ask about my own district. Can you talk a little bit about timing on Guerrero Quick Build? Yes, the Guerrero Quick Build project, um, we are targeting for a late spring implementation. Okay. Um, and so we're going to have you, I mean, you're going to come back to us. It sounds like you may be asking us for money, but, uh, you know, we, we're going to continue to have regular hearings on this. I guess the challenge in not having a, uh, the challenge I experience as someone who's a funder and um, trying to provide oversight in that function is it's very hard to measure your progress if you won't tell us what you're trying to get done by when overall with this with this plan over the next year. So we're, I, I mean, I, I guess, I, I mean, I think that the, the concern is how would we know when you come back to us, if you come back to us, say, in November, or if we have a, another follow-up on this later this year or early next year, at what point would we know that you're not on track? Or do we not get to know that information until you you are not on track if you're not on track next December. Yeah, so um, for our QuickBuild Toolkit project, we currently do have a, um, a dashboard where we can visualize um, the progress of implementation. Um, and we plan on making that go live um, prior to um, the upcoming Vision Zero Quarter 3 update um, to the SFMT board on October 3rd. Um, and so that is one, um, one tool that um, the public that the public and everyone can uh, look at. And um, what is the metric for following progress that's gonna be in that? I mean, is it miles, intersections, both? Yeah, the, the main metric for that tool will be in miles. And that'll be, sorry, when? Uh, miles by supervisor district. No, 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 but, but that's gonna go up, you said, this fall? Or? Um, in the coming days, um, so we do have a upcoming um, updates on Vision Zero, including um, uh, more information about this uh, toolkit project, but um, along with other concurrent efforts, such as the speed safety um, bill and, uh, and uh, multiple turn lanes. Um, so more information um, on the overall Vision Zero program will be provided um, at the October 3rd uh, SFMTA board meeting um, that's happening next Tuesday. Um, so prior to that meeting, um, we will be making that dashboard live. Okay. Thank you for your work. Um, thank you for your presentation. Uh, and uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please call item 11? Item 11, San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency Active Communities Plan Update. This is an information item. SFMTA Senior Transportation Planner Christopher Kidd. Uh, good morning, Chair Mandelman and uh, the rest of the commissioners. Thank you for having us this morning. My name is Christopher Kidd, uh, and I'm a planner with a complete streets section of our planning subdivision at SFMTA and the project manager for the Active Communities Plan. Uh, we wanted to provide you an update today after a previous information update we provided uh, this, this past um, April. So just as a, as a refresher, a reminder, the Active Communities Plan is uh, going to be our first plan for rolling and bicycling since the 2009 Citywide Bicycle Master Plan. This is a project that's funded through Caltrans Planning Grant as well as local match 
from the SFCTA. Uh, when we have a final plan adopted, hopefully in spring or summer of this coming year, it will include a 10 to 15 year investment plan to prioritize our work as an agency and the work across our partner agencies at the city, uh, an expanded uh, transportation network for active transportation, parking and facility recommendations for bicycles, scooters, and other rolling devices, and new supportive programs and policies to help overcome the barriers that people experience to utilizing and participating in active transportation. Um, uh, in terms of our project schedule, uh, we had previously presented at the SFCTA board back in, this, this, back in April. Uh, we have a, a four-phase project uh, over spanning the entire 2023 calendar year, uh, where we've really spent the, the first half of this year uh, engaging with different communities and understanding their needs and their challenges um, and their values. Uh, and we are now kind of closing out uh, this, this sec for second phase of, of outreach and moving on to the development of a draft recommended network for the city. Uh, this will be something that, uh, that we will be doing in, in partnership with our community partners and across uh, neighborhoods all across the city uh, on the way to the development of a full draft plan this winter. Um, as I mentioned, we've, we've been doing outreach since January of this year. We'll be doing outreach past January of next year. Uh, and really, we're trying to focus in, in, in two areas specifically. One is that we want to be inclusive of what we call all devices that can use the bike network. That includes our scooters, our power chairs, our skateboards, our rollerblades. Um, there's a, in a broad array of emerging devices into the future. We want to be proactive in the way that we plan for this work so that we can harness the benefits of these new devices while helping to avoid some of the problems that come with them. Um, but in that work, we also need to be centering the needs of our vulnerable communities, which includes our, our black and brown residents, our low-income residents, service workers, people experiencing homelessness, people with, uh, who experience disabilities, uh, youth seniors, our monolingual communities, and small merchants. These are all folks that uh, bear the brunt of changes in transportation and transportation challenges, and we need to ensure that we are improving their mobility first and foremost. Uh, in terms of who we've talked to so far, uh, in, in, at this point we're actually closer to 100 citywide events than, than 82 listed here, um, engaging with over 5,000 residents, uh, collecting uh, input and surveys and, and responses from, at this point, probably over 3,000 uh, different residents, um, and in a series of, of public hearings, including places like today, but places as well like the Mayor's uh, Disability Council, um, and we've produced all of our project materials in four languages. Uh, we've really tried to ensure that we've reached people in a variety of ways, not relying on a single method. Uh, that includes surveys, uh, citywide events at places like Sunday Streets uh, and other types of street festivals, farmers markets. We've done uh, targeted partnership work with community-based organizations and our equity priority communities, which is included in language events, as well as focus groups and webinars. We've led community bike rides and partnerships with local organizations, sometimes including uh, members of, of this uh, body right here, um, as well as convening a policy working group of, of, uh, of different subject matter experts around the city cultural district representatives, advocates, small merchants, as well as a technical advisory committee of other agency representatives. Um, 
to put a spotlight on our work in our equity priority communities, we have contracted partnerships with five different organizations for targeted work in our equity priority communities where we know that we need to have a special level of emphasis and focus in the work that we do so that we can align our work with the needs and the values and the challenges of these communities. Um, the out end result of that will be what we call a community action plan for each neighborhood that will live within the larger active communities plan. Uh, our partners include the New Community Leadership Foundation in the Western Nation Fillmore, the Tenderloin Community Benefits District in the Tenderloin, Soma Pilipinas in Soma, uh, Poder in their BC Still Pueblo program in our Mission, Outer Mission, and Excelsior neighborhoods, the Bayview Hunters Point Community Advocates in the Bayview, as well as working with Interethnica and a range of community partners to reach the Chinese language communities that are spread all throughout the city. Um, to share some of what we've learned so far um, through our, um, our polling work, our survey work, our in-person outreach work, um, we've, we've asked people to respond to the level of comfort that they experience when trying to ride a bicycle or a scooter on different types of streets. Um, we want to ensure that when we build streets, build projects, that we are aligning them with the, the types of streets that people actually want to use. Um, and you know, unsurprisingly, we hear that people are very uncomfortable when they are asked to share uh, the roadway with vehicles. When we add a regular painted bike lane on a very calm street like Anza, uh, that comfort level goes up. But as soon as that street gets busy, comforts go way back down again. Uh, but then we also see that for many different forms of separation from vehicles, there's a high level of comfort that's expressed by the public, as well as a fairly high level of comfort with slow streets. Um, and to also share what we've learned through some of our polling work and, uh, and data analysis that we have done, we know that when we build the network, people use it. Um, and that we also know that things get safer. Um, we know that 10% of our respondents to our polling work, which was balanced for geography and demographics across the city, 10% of people use an active transportation device every day. And we also know that almost half of people in San Francisco use an active transportation device at least once a month. And we know that when we build our quick build projects, ridership on those streets goes up by over a quarter. And we also know that collisions for all types of, all types of road users go down. Um, but we also know that people don't feel safe today. And this creates a very undemocratic network in that the only people using the network are the people willing to accept the risks that they experience. Um, we know that 80% of people that we have polled want to use active transportation. They want to use the network. But only 23% of those people feel comfortable and safe enough to use it today. That's an even lower percentage in our equity priority communities. This is an enormous opportunity gap for us that we need to directly address in our work. Um, we also know that people are frustrated with the way that our streets work and are designed today. We have a broad variety of different designs for the way that our, our bike lanes and facilities are constructed, and that creates a, a level of confusion. They're, they can sometimes be not intuitive to people, and we see the impacts of that with people on scooters riding on the sidewalk. We see people um, not understanding how to interact with infrastructure, and we see people's frustration with, uh, with people not following perceived rules of the road. We also see that with uh, a, a prioritization of enforcement from the public in the survey responses that we ask from people. And we know that, that first and foremost, that comes down to how the, build, the road is built and making sure that it's intuitive for all users so that people understand what's expected of them and how they should operate within it. Uh, in terms of what is coming up next, um, we are working on the development of our draft network, which we hope to bring to the public near the end of October. Um, that will be paired with 
partnering for uh, community events with our contracted community partners to do uh, specific mapping within their communities to ensure that the projects that we, we bring are really reflective of their needs. As part of that work, when we bring the draft network, we're gonna be bringing a broad array of options to the public. We don't want to have something that appears uh, to have been fully baked. We want to engage with the public directly on what works best for their communities, how we make sure that we create a safe and connected network that also meets their needs. Um, that will kind of will be engaging in about a three-month engagement period across the entire city with events in all districts uh, during that time. And in January, we'll be coming back with a draft plan, with a revised proposed network, but also all of our proposed programs and policies to help support rolling and bicycling. Um, that will lead into a final plan document uh, this coming spring, which we hope to have adopted at the MTA board in the, uh, the late spring, early summer. That will uh, unlock our ability to, to begin immediate implementation on the highest priorities of this plan uh, and really start connecting the city and uh, making active transportation accessible to more people. That, thank you very much. Thank you for your presentation. Uh, Vice Chair Melgar. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Mandelman. Thank you so much for this presentation uh, and for all the work you put into this active communities plan. I am really excited to see that 80% of uh, respondents were eager to use our infrastructure. Um, I am one of those uh, who take risks every day uh, and I'm willing to do it, but I know that it's not for everyone and I totally respect that and I am uh, so eager to have that not be uh, our, our normal. Um, one of the goals that you stated is, uh, you know, centering it on vulnerable communities uh, and communities of color. Um, I uh, think that's really great. Um, I am wondering if you can talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, one of the communities that I think is vulnerable in our city, uh, regardless of race and income, is young people. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, they tend to be smaller and, um, you know, m most of them just don't have a choice. They're not driving age. And, you know, uh, so uh, I'm wondering if that uh, was part of the focus group or the survey that you did. Um, in District 7, we have a, a youth council, a District 7 youth council. And last year, their uh, entire year, they spend working on transportation issues. Uh, so I would love to turn over that data to you because uh, everything that you said, they said, and then mm -hmm. added even some more from their perspective. Uh, I think young people uh, on the West Side are eager um, to have that be safer. Um, so uh, a couple weeks back, I introduced a resolution urging you, uh, as we had this conversation, to uh, include schools. Um, because, you know, when, when I was talking to you and seeing the plan that you presented, um, the sort of thoroughfares are not necessarily connected to mm -hmm. schools. Um, and we just heard this presentation about at Vision Zero, we're rolling out five schools a year, which is very, very slow. And, you know, I'm eager to just make it safer for the kids to be able to walk. Um, we have like a bike and roll to school day 
once, once a year, which mm. is great. I mean, I love going there, but it, it should be every day. Um, there should be, you know, a way to, for kids to legit get to school, not just like a performative, like, oh, rah, rah, good for us. Tap ourselves in the back thinking, you know, this is great, but it's really not an option mm-hmm. for a lot of kids. And I am particularly um, worried about middle schoolers and high schoolers, because that's who I see riding the scooters in the sidewalk. Mm. Um, and uh, also, like many of them just don't have a choice, you know. So I, um, I hope that we take that into account and make sure that we are connecting schools to the network uh, in a um, in a real way with infrastructure, not just you know like putting it on the kids to be safe. No, you know what they're doing because that's not. So you know, uh, moving forward, I do. Hope that we have uh, outreach, representation, uh, responsiveness to the needs of, of kids uh, and parents uh, throughout the process. Um, I want to make sure that we support them as they navigate our very dangerous streets, but also um, have you know an option. So I I tallied up uh, all my receipts, and uh, you know I ride my bike as the main mode of transportation. Last year I spent seven hundred and fifty dollars in the year on bicycle maintenance and supplies, which is you know cheaper than a Clipper card. Uh, you know, so I I do not that I don't. I, transit month I'm into it too but you know I um I do think for many people getting around on a bike or a scooter or a skateboard um is the way to do it because it is cheaper it's mm-hmm. cheaper than every other alternative and for low-income people you know this is a thing and so um I I want us to to you know sort of make sure that we do it in a meaningful productive way yeah. um because um I think it's you know, a real necessity. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Walton. Thank you so much, Chair Mountain. And <clears throat> you know, I, I want to try to do this as respectfully as possible. Um, but these slides are really a, a, a true dog and pony show um, in an attempt to mislead this board into thinking that equitable outreach was conducted. The, the survey for this plan is really a concrete example of MTA's plan to overtly mislead communities. The question asked throughout the survey was, are you comfortable with? Without presenting the trade-offs, without presenting the reality of what people's comments or statements could lead to. I'm comfortable sitting next to Trump, but I don't wanna be next to him. Like, you're asking people, are they comfortable with something? I mean, I can't think of a more simplistic way to mislead communities and to sit here and act like you've done some equitable outreach because you've gone to events, because you've walked around in certain areas of community, no door to door, no really going into the inner parts of community that are more, most isolated. That's not equitable outreach. We've had this conversation again and it continues to happen, but most certainly this survey is extremely misleading at the very least. Uh, it's a setup to promote places that will further disconnect and keep people from access. And I just can't believe that you touted this as responsible outreach to this body. I had a conversation with MTA prior to this meeting 
and I couldn't believe you still came in here presenting that you've conducted equitable outreach. And this has to stop. You have to go into community and have a real conversation about what the trade-offs are when you mention certain plans, certain policies, and certain things that you're thinking about implementing. Mm -hmm. And stop trying to lead people into supporting things that promote inequity or further divide communities. So I want to make sure that this is on record that you know, real equitable outreach was not conducted during this process. And this is really an attempt to mislead this Board of Supervisors into thinking that the proper outreach has been or is being conducted and that we're talking to people in a manner that they can completely comprehend and understand what is at stake for their neighborhoods and communities. Because you're asking people, are they comfortable with things without presenting the trade-offs, then you're gonna wanna force something on people and they're gonna be like, wait a minute, I didn't ask for this. You just asked me, was I comfortable with it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, people are comfortable with a lot of stuff, but let's be direct and ask people real questions, get their real thoughts, their real opinions. Let's do real outreach to know where people come from, to see the things that they want in their community versus trying to mislead them and misguide them with words like comfortable. That's ridiculous. Um, thank you, Commissioner. I, I appreciate your perspective. And the, the survey work that we've done was by, by no means the, the only work that we have done. And this is by no means the end of our engagement and outreach work. Uh, and specifically, the work that we are planning for our upcoming community partner events in our equity priority communities, as well as events throughout the city. Um, for the rest of the year are truly focused on understanding those trade-offs and expressing them to the that, public that's in not a way good that enough. they can That's not good enough. You have to go back on. and do a survey that is real, that gets the real opinions of people, that di dives deep into conversation versus trying to gloss over it and say, we're going to go back and do something. No, you already misleaded communities of people which you're questioning. And just to say you're going to gloss over it and let it go, that's a bunch of BS. You are not gonna try and turn our communities into segregated streets like you've done in other areas of the city. You're gonna conduct the appropriate outreach. Commissioner Dorsey. Uh, <clears throat> thanks so much. <clears throat> so I wanted to uh, just thank uh, FM SFMTA for their work on what I know is a big undertaking um, the active communities plan is uh, important to me as a regular user user of the bicycle network um, citywide but especially in uh, district six and I had the opportunity actually to um, join MTA staff and community stakeholders on a uh, bike ride through my district back in August and it was a great opportunity to um, review the network and see where improvements are necessary there's kind of a narrow question though that I have um, you know one of the most frequent complaints I hear about mobility options that District 6 residents encounter um, has to do with scooters. Not bikes, not skateboards, it's scooters on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. um, my own observation from this, and I'd be interested to know if this is something that's, that came out in the research or the survey data, or if it's something that we need to tease out with maybe a more detailed kind of survey like um, Supervisor Walton is talking about focus groups. I know there's a lot of ways to do this, and I think it's always, um, good advice to explore different kinds of options in trying to gauge public um, public perspective and feedback mm -hmm. 
on it. Um, so I'm sensitive to um, some of the, the sentiments that my colleague expressed. What I would be interested to know from people who are using scooters, my observation is that we have some surface condition issues that don't make life easy for people who are using scooters on, uh, in bike lanes. I, I know the one lane that I use a lot is the Folsom Street where it's everything you can do to keep a bicycle upright on some of the potholes and, and things. I don't, I wouldn't recommend anybody take a scooter there. Um, obviously, they're not supposed to be on the sidewalks. Are we incentivizing that and is, is this something that we're hearing from the people who use scooters that we need to do better to improve surface conditions or is it just the possible, is it possible that this is just sort of a feature of people who use scooters that they don't care? I, I, I would be interested to know, but this, it's remarkable to me how often I hear complaints mm -hmm. about just scooters and very little about complaints about other things. Yeah, so scooter uh, complaints has certainly been a very large theme of a lot of our outreach and, and a lot of what we've been hearing from the public. Uh, and I think that there's, there's a number of factors that contribute to that. I think certainly pavement quality and condition is a, is a significant factor. Scooter wheels are much smaller than bicycle wheels, and so they feel the, the jolts and bumps of, of uh, poor pavement uh, more thoroughly than people on a bicycle do. Uh, so you know, part of our plan and part of, our, of, of this effort is looking at uh, kind of taking a fresh look at how we design our network facilities. Uh, trying to account for this broader range of users. And what does that mean in terms of the way that we treat pavement condition, the way that we design the facilities, their width, um, how intersections work. Uh, we need to take a fresh look at how we can ensure that, uh, that these facilities are, are welcoming, inclusive, um, and intuitive for, for the broad range of users. Because you know, certainly we, we hear, especially in SOMA, well, plenty of other places about the concerns that people have, especially our seniors and our residents with disabilities, about the, the safety hazards and, and risks that they experience when interacting with scooter riders on the sidewalk. Um, and we, you know, that's, that's a, a problem that we need to solve for. And there's, there's tools that we have through our micro-mobility providers and the permit that we have with them to help uh, work on some enforcement uh, around, around the, those activities. But now we're seeing uh, a growing number of privately owned scooters. And I think that, you know, also looking at those, those types of devices, you know, some of those can go very fast. And we need to, to have better uh, understanding and regulation within the city about which of those devices we expect and want to be using um, our, our bike lane facilities. Because if a scooter can go 35 miles an hour, that's probably not an appropriate device for, for this network. Uh, Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Mandelman, and thank you for all your work on this. Um, I, I wanted to just step back for a minute. Like, this is an issue that I've been pushing on this body and on the board for, I think, since 2020, trying to get firm commitments to a, the release of a draft citywide network. I think we made some progress with some of the slow streets work um, during the pandemic, but I prior to, to this effort, um, I think the commitments have not been that firm around timelines. So I wanna, I wanna recognize that I think it's, and, and appreciate actually laying out, and we've, we've met um, 
prior to this hearing to, to be briefed on this, and I, I do think it's important that we have the timeline uh, before us. Um, and I have said it before, and I will say again, that like a citywide network of uh, safe streets is only as strong as its weakest link mm -hmm. or weakest links. And I think that to approach it as we have often, more through neighborhood by neighborhood, block by block, while those are very significant improvements, they don't resolve the gap that you identified that uh, Commissioner Melgar spoke mm -hmm. of, of, of the lack of safety one feels in their trip, uh, which can be you know 80% on great uh, protected lanes, and then if you got 20% that's not, uh, it feels like a nightmare, and you feel like you're taking your life in your own hands, and for a lot of people, and for a lot of those of us with kids, like those, it's those weak links mm -hmm. that are what prevent people uh, from using the network. So. Um, I do think that it is important that the, the draft be a draft and be truly a draft. And I think you've spoken to that, but I wanna emphasize this because a lot of times in city planning, not specific to MTA, but often including MTA and other departments, drafts are rolled out. They're really what the department plans to do and the the draft and the community meetings and the engagement is just to check a box and say that you've done it. And I, and I do think some of Commissioner Walton's comments get at this, this feeling that is grounded, I think, very much in reality of how ma major initiatives are planned in the city. Again, not exclusively MTA, but certainly at times MTA um, including that. So I, I think the challenge here is staying on a timeline, mm -hmm. but also making sure that when you put out a draft in October that then gets adopted as a draft, or not adopted, presented um, in January, that, the, in, that, the, that those draft plans really are draft plans, that when community pushes back around a particular block or a mm -hmm. department, whether it's fire department or, or PUC has a plan for that, you know, some major work in that area or whatever it is, right? It, it, that, that we are actually being flexible in during that period of time, however many months that ends up being, um, to getting what can really be a final plan that hopefully has more community buy-in, um, buy-in from different departments, um, and, and actually enables us to, to move forward. So I think you've addressed that. I don't think you need to again. I, I, just, I just wanted to emphasize that I, I sincerely hope that a draft is meant to be a draft, not a fully baked product that's called the draft, so we can check some boxes. So Thank uh, you. If, if you want to elaborate on that, feel free, but I, I think you've addressed it. Um, I, very shortly, yes, but we, we do plan when we bring the draft network in October to really focus and emphasize on a broad array of options. We don't want this to be about you know, fighting over whether this one particular project is the right one or not, because that's the only one we're offering. We want to give people a range of options for what is the right thing that works in their community while still allowing us to connect the network in a way that is safe and connected and, and uh, useful for, for a broad number of people. Thank you. And one other thing while I have the mic here. Um, so the city's been through this before, right? In 2014, we adopted the Green Connections plan, which, I don't know, if you wanna be glass half full, that provided some good groundwork for 
a template for some of the slow streets work and other things that we've done. If you want to be glass half empty, it's like it's been almost a decade since the last time the planning department and MTA and others convened and put forward um, a citywide plan. What I wanted to ask you is like, how is this different from the Greens Connections plan and, and, and specifically in terms of, like I don't want to, my, you know, whoever's in this seat years down the road to be talking about the active communities plan the way I talk about the mm. Green <laughs> Connections plan as a thing from a decade ago that never got <laughs> implemented. So what's different about how you're approaching this that's gonna get us to the finish line in an inclusive way on this time frame? Yeah, and, and admittedly the, the Green Connections plan preceded my, my tenure at the SFMTA, um, but you know I can say that, that we have a very strong commitment, especially through our Liberal Streets partners, towards implementation. We gave a board presentation to the SFMTA board uh, two weeks ago on September 19th, where we had laid out some of the, the implementation strategy um, that we are building up behind this plan, which will include uh, ensuring uh, a concurrent approval of a tranche of protective bike lane quick builds and slow street projects in parallel with the approval of the plan. Um, itself, so that we have things that are ready to go and ready to implement immediately. Um, we also are working towards, as part of the plan, really strongly identifying not just our funding needs and constraints, but also our staffing needs and constraints, as well as some of the kind of procedural uh, changes that we will need, we need to make as an agency and as a city in order for us to deliver the types of projects at the scale that we've identified them at for the plan. Um, so there's there's a broad range of needs that are that exist, um, you know, across the spectrum in order to actually be accountable and deliver on these things. It's not just the money, but we are working towards explicitly identifying those things within the plan document, so that there is a, a an actionable path forward to resolving them. Thank you. And and last thing on this point, just in terms of actually getting there on this plan. Um, I appreciate it was before your time, it was before my time in office, certainly, but I think it would be it definitely worth making sure we're consulting with the folks who were part of that process on Green Connections and what they ran into. And my understanding is some of the, there, there were a number of reasons things didn't fully come to fruition, but I think one is the, some of the lack of interdepartmental coordination was a big part of it, right? And, and, and I do, I said this in response to the last agenda item when we were talking about Vision Zero projects and what we did on Fell Street with <coughs> early involvement of the fire department, with monitoring of the data that mm -hmm. MTA led, and really kind of having everyone, at least certainly you know, both community and departments involved, um, I think it's really crucial because if, if the plan just comes out there and then and, and is fully baked mm. and then we are learning a year from now that that key route for a slow street is actually a key route for the fire department, right? Or that that key block running through the Western Edition is actually a block where people double park because uh, they need to because they're coming in from uh, the East Bay to go to church. Mm -hmm. And like, right, like those, we need to be surfacing those things as early as possible. And I guess just the question on that is, can you, I know there's a technical advisory group mm -hmm. can you just and, and I know some departments are represented can you just elaborate on on 
in terms of city departments, who's at the table yeah. with the technical advisory group in this early stage? Yeah, so our technical advisory committee has about, I believe, 25 or so representatives on it, including the SFCTA, Department of Public Works, Department of Public Health, Police, Fire, um, Rec and Park, uh, and, and a broad array of, of uh, agency representatives within the SFMTA, because we have transit, livable streets, accessibility services, we have the mayor's office on disabilities included in that uh, that body, um, as well as some regional representatives, Caltrans, MTC, and others. Thank you. All right, thank you, uh, Commissioner Preston, and thank you again for your presentation and your work. And we should open this item to public comment. If you are in the chamber and you'd like to make public comment on item 11, you should come on forward. Could you please? I, Thank you. I am, ah, excuse me, Carol Brownson here, resident of San Francisco District 2. And I want to start with a little story. When I was doing a long trip in Italy, I tried to understand local customs. Someone told me a joke that really helped a lot. In Milan, traffic signals are instructions. In Rome, they're suggestions. In Napoli, they're Christmas decorations. In California, uh, we've enacted the same transition, but over time, I'd say it's about five years that we've gone from Milan to Naples. And, you know, this community plan, this active community plan, I really do like it. It focuses on bicycles, and protected bike lanes benefit all users of the street. But the diagram at the top of this, if you look at the diagram on that very nice report, it shows three types of non-car mobility. The last being a mobility scooter. No, bell doesn't work. Sorry. Oops, sorry. Um, so I don't use bike lanes because I just don't go fast enough. Thank you. And uh, they still like to have the bike lanes there. Slow streets are my favorite way of getting around San Francisco. On slow streets, there's room for everyone to travel at their own pace. I use a slow street to get to my market for weekly shopping. But I do think they need to be upgraded. Those Naples-style drivers come down a four-lane street and hit a slow street, and they have a tendency to ignore that nice decorative stop sign or that pretty paint on the ground. And uh, I think street engineers could fix this, really improve slow streets. And that would be a great contribution to both Vision Zero and the Active Communities Plan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and it looks like we don't have any more public comment in the chamber. So let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 11. Checking for remote public comment on item 11. There is no public comment for this item. All right, thank you. Public comment on item 11 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 12. Item 12, introduction of new items. This is an information item. 
I don't see anybody on the roster. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item 13. Item 13, public comment. All right, if there's anyone in the chamber who would like to speak to us under item 13, general public comment, please come forward. I do not see anyone. Uh, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 13. Yes, there is. Let me go to the caller. Welcome, caller. Your Hello. two minutes begins now. Hello. Good morning. Almost good afternoon. This, this is Barry Toronto. I um, was very interested in a lot of the statements made today. The only thing is you haven't talked about reducing the number of cars on the road. And, and rather than encouraging more use of TNCs, it'd be great if you actually asked your state representatives to try and get some legislation passed to allow the city to regulate the number of TNCs allowed to use the road. I, a lot of these people do not live in San Francisco or even in the Bay Area, and they come to the city thinking they can drive the streets the same way they drive their uh, communities, their rural communities or their suburban communities. So I beg you to look at the, at the number of TNCs using the road, and you have a more frequent report on the number of TNC trips out there and, and the fact that their behavior is based upon trying to get as much trips in because of the low pay they get on many of the trips. So I'm asking you to provide more of a report on that on a more regular basis. Uh, it would be more enlightening and, I, and, and to see the behavior of them. I could sit there at a busy nightclub for a good half hour as a taxi driver and not get one single fare, even though my fare might be less or equal to, to their fare. Uh, and also the fact that some of the nightclubs put up uh, block, uh, block uh, parking lanes and block traffic lanes with their, with their cones, and it makes it a, a problem there. I think you should be forced to require white zones during their busy nights so, therefore, they can be easier pick up and drop off areas. Last thing is um, regarding Gulf Street. You should look at Gulf Street during most of the day. It is a parking lot from from uh, Gary, from Gary and O'Farrell over there, where they connect thank on the you, top Mr. of the Chanta. hill. And thank you. Thank you. Moving on to the next caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hi, sorry, I got kicked out of the queue for um, the active community plan, but I'll just comment on in this section. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank uh, the MTA representative for, um, you know, putting together this plan. I really, really hope it gets implemented. Um, as someone who doesn't own a car and gets around on transit mostly, I would love, love, love to take bikes around the city because I know it's the fastest way to get around the city. Um, but unfortunately, um, doing so would put my life in driver's hands and the way that people drive in San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco is not unique, but um, yeah, I'm just, not, I'm just not willing to risk my life. So I'd really love to see some concrete protection all across the city, fully connected. And I think this plan will achieve that if everyone um, on the MTA and on the Board of Supervisors is able to see the plan through, unlike the previous plan from 2014. I'd like to say, you know, I, I was really horrified by some of, the, some of the comments, but also very hopeful about other comments, um, particularly in regards to segregation and the way that the bike plan would further or further that or not. 
Um, I will say that the majority of people I see on bikes in the Mission and in the Bayview are actually delivery workers who um, are delivering on bikes and then getting home uh, on their bikes using BART. Um, and they're putting their life on the, on the line um, for, you know, their jobs. Um, so I, I really, really would love to see their lives being, you know, considered. And I think, you know, especially black and brown communities should be able to get around safely. Um, the majority of people who are dying on our streets, whether they're pedestrians or bike riders, are actually um, vulnerable to people from vulnerable communities, including elderly people. Um, I, you know, this plan is necessary. And those of us who either, you know, take transit walk or want to use active mobility to get around, we're doing the right thing. And we deserve to be safe doing the right Thank thing. Thank you, Carly. The truth is, tons of... There is no additional public comment for this item. All right. Public comment on item 13 is closed. Mr. Clerk, could you please call our next item? Item 14, adjournment. Ah, we're adjourned. <laughs>